Uh, last weekend, it was Easter, and so we set aside this message series that we're in, but today we're picking it back up, week number five of this run of messages that we call Becoming Spiritual Champions. And today we want to talk about the role of service in the lives of those who are on the road toward spiritual championship. But before we talk about spiritual champions and service, there are these underlying beliefs that we would hold to in the realm of service and spiritual championship, all right? Number one is this. Spiritual champions believe, first of all, that life is not about them. You've heard me say that before. Life is not about them. Spiritual champions believe that they live for a purpose that is far greater, way bigger than their own personal fulfillment, their own personal peace of mind, their own comfort, even, mind you, your own happiness, right? Because spiritual champions are compelled by the truth that life is not about them. Second, spiritual champions believe to the core of their beings that they were put on planet earth to make a contribution. To make a contribution. Spiritual champions don't just think they're here to make withdrawal, make withdrawal, make withdrawals. They actually believe to the core of their being that they were put on planet earth to make a contribution. To give something back. They don't just exist to eat, take up space, and consume oxygen, right? They believe, spiritual champions do, that they exist to make a contribution. Third, spiritual champions believe that they were created by God to serve Him in very specific ways. Just think about the animal kingdom. God created every creature with a focus, with a particular area of expertise, Animals, some of them run, some of them hop, some of them swim. Some of them even get the very cool privilege of flying, which is fantastic. But whatever they do, each has a role to play. And that role is rooted in how they were created, hardwired by God. And it's the exact same thing with we human beings. We were all created by God to serve God in a specific way, to make a unique contribution, to do certain things toward that contribution. And you hear us an awful lot around this place talk about serving. Because this serving deal, it's just fundamental in who we are as a community of Christ followers. It's in our core values. And in our core values, we say it this way. We value service. Christ served us, so we serve people. The Bible tells us that Jesus didn't come to be served, but rather to serve That's why Jesus came. And so we're going to follow his example. We're going to run that out. We're always expressing service at every turn, expressing service in how we engage with people, how we engage with the wider Gallatin Valley. That Easter egg hunt that we did last Saturday, that's all about service. No strings attached. Here, Here we are with a serving towel over our arm, giving, just giving, even if it is plastic eggs filled with candy that rot your teeth right? It's still giving. It's service. And here's where this even goes for us. We think that service is actually the bridge across which the gospel can be communicated to people. We don't just think that because we're a church and we put signs out on the road and we set up chairs in this room and a sound system and have a band that we automatically deserve then the right for people to show up and sit in these chairs every weekend. That's not how we think about this. We actually think that we have to earn the right for the gospel to be presented in the lives of people who are far from God. And service is the bridge across which the gospel is 
communicated. And every time we serve somebody who is far from God, we add a plank to that bridge. And we add a plank to that bridge and we add a plank to that bridge so that the gospel can be communicated into the lives of people who are far from him. It's who we are, Journey. We are a church, we are a community that serves. It's rudimentary. And so with this, because we talk about serving an awful lot around here, at the conclusion of the service, Oakland's going to stand on the stage and he's going to tick off some new opportunities for us as a community to be getting around service. And so because we're always lifting up that value, I'm not necessarily going to lay out the specific ways that you can serve. You hear about those all the time. As much as today, I want to get at the very heart, the very core of why it is that we serve. Why in the world this service deal is actually hardwired into we who follow Jesus Christ. It's part of the DNA of being a Christ follower and then our DNA as a community. And I want to say that I'm deeply indebted to a guy named Daryl Johnson for some stuff that he wrote in this vein that frankly sort of rocked me this week and maybe it'll do the same for you in a good way, right? And here's, I just want to tell you where all of this aims. The very reason that service is such at the heart of what it is to follow Jesus is this. It's that we who follow Jesus Christ are servants because the king we follow, the king who we have given our lives to, the king who we endeavor to conform our lives to the image of, get this, carries a towel, just a towel, an ordinary towel as the symbol of his kingship and authority. And that blows your mind just a wee bit. Because when we think about kings and kingdoms and authority and royalty and so on, we think about kings carrying scepters and kings carrying swords and kings carrying shields as the symbols of their kingship and authority, crowns and so on. But King Jesus, the king who we serve and the king who we follow, carries none of those typical king trappings. He carries rather just an ordinary serving towel as the symbol of his reign. It's a big deal. If you've got a Bible, I'd invite you to turn to John chapter 13. It's where we're going to make camp together today. If you don't have a text, you can always follow along on the side screens. This is the account of the Last Supper, Jesus and the disciples. And here's what the Bible says, John 13, verses 1 to 17. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and he now loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything that he had come from, and that he had come from God, and that he would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist. You've heard this passage before. And poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, A person who is bathed all over does not need to wash, except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you, for Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, Not all of you are clean. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? 
You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Now, if you were to flip over to the book of Luke, which I'd encourage you to do sometime, and you were to read the Luke account of this exact same narrative, the Last Supper narrative, we see uh, sort of the window crack into the disciples' imagination, and their imaginations are running wild with what they think that this kingdom of God, this soon-and-coming kingdom that Jesus is constantly talking about, what it's going to look like, what they think, what they imagine, what they hope that the kingdom of God is going to look like. And in that Luke account, the disciples, they even go so far as to engage in this debate about who's going to be the greatest, the biggest dog, if you will, in this soon and coming kingdom that Jesus was inaugurating. And the disciples, even this close to the end of Jesus' ministry with them, several years, they just don't get it, do they? They just don't get it. They don't see, they don't understand, they don't get that Jesus' soon and coming kingdom, the kingdom of God, is and was completely antithetical to any sort of kingdom that their human imaginations could conjure up. It was so incredibly different than anything they could imagine because we see the very king of kings of that very kingdom take up an ordinary towel, just a towel, nothing but a towel, as his symbol of authority and as his symbol of power. And there's four things that we learn from Jesus carrying a towel as the symbol of his kingship and authority, and that's going to be uh, the four points of this message we're going to embark on. And the first one is this. Jesus' towel symbolizes the king's whole career. And you could put career in quotes if you wanted to, because I don't know that you necessarily call it a career ordinarily. But Jesus taking up the towel is actually, uh, taking up the towel in this Last Supper narrative is actually the image of the entire redemption story. See, Jesus, just in washing his disciples' feet, unfolds the redemption narrative through this act of foot washing. Look at verse four. We see Jesus get up from the table. And you go like, well, so what about that? Well, Jesus getting up from the table is just as Jesus got up from his heavenly throne, isn't it? Before he came down and before he put on humanity's flesh, he actually had to get up from his throne just like that evening in the upper room. He got up from the dinner table. Keep going in verse four. He took off his robe, right? And you go like, yeah, well, he was about to wash feet. He should have. But him taking off his robe at that last supper gathering parallels Jesus actually taking off his heavenly glory before he put on humanity's flesh, which he had to do. He could not come down here in the full splendor of his heavenly glory. He had to remove that. He took it off, just like he took off his robe. Keep going in verse four. He then wrapped a towel around his waist, the text says. Jesus wrapped a towel around his waist before he washed the disciples' feet just as he chose to wrap himself, chose to wrap himself in our humanity when he was born a human being, God in a bod, if you will. And then look at verse five. Jesus took that pitcher of water and he poured that water into a basin. 
And Jesus pouring that water into that basin is just like his life, his very life, was about to be poured out as the offering for our sin. My sin, your sin, the sin of all of humanity. His very life was poured out for us. And then continuing in verse 5, then he began to wash the disciples' feet. He washes the disciples' feet. That was the King of kings, the Lord of lords, creator of heaven and earth, ruler of heaven and earth, performing the lowest and most humbling act of service you could ever imagine. It does not get more gritty than washing feet. And Jesus washing feet parallels just the very next day how Jesus himself, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, would die the most humbling death imaginable. Death by crucifixion. Death on a cross. Just like the most common everyday run-of-the-mill criminal. And then look over at verse 12. After washing their feet, he put on his robe again and he sat down. And after all of that, after he washes all the disciples' feet, he puts on his robe and he takes his place back at the dinner table, back at the place where he belongs. Just as after Jesus' death, he returned to his throne in heaven, see, where he was reseated in all of his original splendor, all of his original glory, all of his original majesty, see. And so Jesus taking up the towel symbolizes his whole career, everything he was, everything he did to his very core. And then the whole redemption narrative, it plays out symbolically right in this quite brief scene of Jesus just washing the disciples' feet. That's number one. Number two. Jesus' towel actually reveals for us the king's concept of what royalty really means. Jesus is tipping his hand and showing us and telling us what he thinks royalty really means, what royalty really is. Look at verses 6 to 8 of John 13. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever wash my feet. Never, ever. It's like, emphatic, isn't it? Never ever wash my feet. And it's right here when Jesus has really, and I mean really, gone to messing with the disciples and even our view of everything that it means to be royalty and even, frankly, everything that it means to be divinity, everything it means to be God, actually. Jesus absolutely shatters our ideas of what it is to be both divine and royal. And there's this whole discussion that the disciples were having in Luke. It all revolved around the human view of royalty. And the disciples in the kingdom of God, they were picturing Jesus, the king of the universe, seated high on some like diamond-encrusted throne, surrounded by willing servants who are meeting his every need, his every whim. But get this, that is not at all, not even close to the idea of royalty that God, nor his son Jesus Christ, lives with. Not even close. 
Jesus, through this incredibly powerful scene of him washing the disciples' feet, is modeling the idea that he lives with that being God means that he comes down off of that throne and lives, not just occupies for a short period of time that space, but actually lives in willing service to the very creatures whom, in our paradigm of royalty and divinity and kingdom, ought to be living in service to him. The one who should be served is the one who is doing the serving, see? And so we read this account, and we do, most of us anyway, do just what Peter did when it came his turn to have Jesus wash his feet. We're like crying out to Jesus, uh-uh, stop, uh-uh, put the basin down, take the towel off, put the, just get rid of that. You can't do that, Jesus. You're God, after all. But Jesus' very posture as a servant reveals that this serving deal is actually normal for the true living God. And sometimes we might even be tempted to think like, well, Jesus must have some little like identity crisis going on here as he's taking up the towel and preparing to wash the disciples' feet. He's getting a little punchy as the cross gets closer and closer, some of us might think. But he's wanting us to know absolutely that when he is on his knees, he is not at all confused about who he is or what he is. No identity crisis. He's not at all confused about who God made him to be and what God made him for. And we go like, this is the grand, sometimes we think this is the grand contradiction of scripture. Jesus, washing the disciples' feet. Jesus says, "Uh uh-uh. It's not a contradiction at all. It is not a contradiction of what it means to be divine royalty. Rather, it is the fleshing out of divine royalty. Jesus only does what he does because of who he knows that he is. Daryl Johnson says it this way. He sort of invites us in. He says, put yourself there at that Last Supper gathering. Imagine yourself being there in the upper room during that Last Supper scene. As Jesus washes his disciples' feet, you go over to him and you tap him on the shoulder and you ask, why are you doing this? Where did you get the idea to do this? And he, that's Jesus, looks up at you and says, did you not know that I had to be about my father's business? Did you not know that I had to be about my father's business? This, as he's on his knees washing dirty, stinky, gritty feet, this, he says, is my father's business. This is it. I learned this, Jesus says, from my father. I told you, I only do what I see my father doing. And when we run this out to its natural conclusion, it brings us to a quite startling revelation, which is this, that Jesus' interpretation of what divine royalty actually means is that to be fully human then means that we, watch this, are servants first and foremost. To be fully human means that we are servants first and foremost. Anything less, then fully devoted servanthood is then to not be fully human. And here's how we get there. It's a lot like a mathematical equation. Let's flesh it out a little bit. We were created as human beings in the very image of God, right? We would all agree with that. The Imago Dei is inside of us, which means that we were created to reflect the very nature and character of Almighty God himself. That means then that we are most fully human, 
when we are most completely reflecting God's nature and God's character. And through and because of Jesus' example, we come to understand that God understands godness and God understands godhood in terms of servanthood and nothing more. God himself understands godness and godhood in terms of servanthood. And when we add all of that up, we are then most what we were created to be when we lay aside our climb for personal fulfillment and achievement and peace of mind and comfort and even the climb for our own happiness. And instead of clamoring for all that stuff, we simply take up the servant's towel. Because we are most human when we are most reflecting God, his nature, his character, which is, at its essence, service. And even as I say that, I believe there's a deep resonance inside of every single one of us because it's just true, it's right, it's who God made us to be. Servants, bearing the towel, just like Jesus Christ bore the towel. And so Jesus, through this quite simple foot-washing episode, reveals for us the king's very own idea of what it means to be king and what it means to be divine royalty. And Jesus Christ, the king of kings, finds his royal identity in being a foot washer. That's mind-blowing. Number three, Jesus' towel points us to the king's greatest action on behalf of his subjects, which is his death on the cross, isn't it? Jesus' towel points us to the king's greatest action on behalf of his subjects, his death on the cross. Look at verses 8 to 10. This is in the little exchange with Peter. It sort of continues on here. Jesus replied to Peter, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, Then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, A person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who had taken a shower and who had not taken... No, that is not at all what it says. For Jesus knew who would betray him, he said. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. And see, as Peter is trying to prohibit Jesus from washing his feet, Jesus is telegraphing telegraphing him almost with this urgent SOS kind of message. And it's this... Peter, if you don't let me be who I am, if you don't let me stoop down and cleanse you, then you won't have any place with me. If you don't let me be who I am and do what I do, then you can never, ever enter my kingdom. Peter, something must be done to you, for you, by me, Jesus says. And if I don't do it, then you don't have any place. You don't have any standing with me, nor any place, nor any standing in my kingdom. See, what was that something? It is, and it was very simply, the cross of Jesus Christ. Because it is only by Jesus' ultimate act of service, call it, if you will, the ultimate stooping down, which cleanses us from our sin. Jesus was trying to help Peter, 
And he's trying very hard to help us as well understand that, see, we can only meet the living God on the bottom rung of the ladder because that's where he is. That's where he hangs out, on the bottom rung of the ladder. And we either meet him there or we don't meet him at all. See? And Peter, he does this very funny thing after Jesus gives it to him straight up and says, look, Peter, I got to do this or you don't have a place with me. Peter basically asks Jesus for an all-over sponge bath, right? Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord. Not just my, wash me all over Jesus, Peter says. But see, Peter didn't need to be washed all over. Peter did not need a sponge bath. It would have been customary before a gathering like this Last Supper gathering was that every attendee would have bathed before they came. It was a special occasion. The only dirty part of them then when they rolled into that gathering would have been their feet. And that's only because of, uh, by virtue of the kinds of roads and paths that they would have had to traverse to get to that gathering. Peter would have just bathed, see, which means that his only need would have been to have his feet washed. That was his only need. Now watch this. Jesus washing Peter's feet pointed to the only thing Peter needed, which was the cross of Jesus Christ. It was and it is the only thing that Peter needed. Jesus is declaring to Peter, look, you don't need to be perfect. You don't need to have your act all together. All you really need is me to wash your feet. All you really need is me to lay down my life for you because look, Peter, my death for you is enough. It's sufficient. My death for you is all you need to enter my kingdom. And what was true for Peter a couple of thousand years ago is absolutely 100% still true to this day. The only thing that we really need is the cross of Jesus Christ. That's it. We don't add anything to it and we don't take away anything from it. And it is only by our receipt of Jesus' death on the cross that we are made worthy to enter the kingdom of God. Not by any other means. The cross is the only door in to the kingdom of God. And you don't have to be perfect. And you don't have to have your act together. And you don't have to have all of the answers. Because all you really need is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's very simple. It's all you need. And so we see Jesus' towel points to his greatest action. His death on the cross for us. And then number four, and this is where we're going to land the plane today. The serving towel now distinguishes we who have allowed the king to serve us. The serving towel now distinguishes, it sets us apart, those of us who have allowed the king to serve us. The serving towel is one of the primary markers of those who know and those who follow the servant king, Jesus Christ. Those who are becoming spiritual champions. The towel is the primary marker of that kind of a life. Look at verse 14. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. And when we think about royalty in our human frame of mind, 
we might be fully expecting Jesus in this instance to say, there. After he takes a seat at the dinner table, to recline and to say something like, there. Since I've washed your feet, now I'm going to take my place right here at the table and let you be about washing mine. Here's my dirty feet. Get about it. But that's not at all what Jesus said. Instead, he says, look, you guys get about washing one another's feet. You be about serving one another. And I bumped into this quote this week by a guy named Leslie Newbigin. And it, it rocked me. And here's what Newbigin says. Jesus has laid aside his life for us all. And the death which we owe to him is to be discharged by our subjection to our neighbors in loving service. Jesus has laid aside his life for us all, and the death which we owe to him is to be discharged by our subjection to our neighbors in loving service. The word subjection, it means to place yourself under, to place yourself lower than. The death which we owe to him is to be discharged by our subjection to our neighbors in loving service. And by the way, that word neighbor is not just the people who live next to you and behind you. It is quite a broadly defined word, which at the end of the day really means just about anyone and everyone. Our neighbor, Newbegin continues, is the, watch this, appointed agent authorized to receive what we owe the master. Our neighbor, broadly defined, remember, is the appointed agent authorized to receive what we owe the master. And when we think about the cross and when we think about Jesus' sacrifice, the one he made for every one of us, we quickly come to the conclusion that we owe Jesus a lot for what he did for us. But Jesus doesn't say, all right, now that you owe me, come and wash my feet, get about it. Instead, he sets up a whole new economy, doesn't he? He says, look, your neighbors are now the appointed agents authorized to receive what you owe me. Now get about it, Jesus says. And this goes some places that might be a little trippy for us. So uh, buckle in. Husbands, I want to talk to you first for a moment. Because get this, husbands, our wives, according to the economy of the kingdom of God that Jesus set up and that Jesus established, our wives are the appointed agents authorized to receive what we owe Jesus Christ. We are washing Jesus' feet as we are washing our wives' feet. And we go, but wait a minute, wait a minute, what about wives submit to your husband? Doesn't that sort of... No, it doesn't, actually. Our wives, husbands, are the appointed agents authorized to receive what we owe Jesus Christ. We wash Jesus' feet as we wash her feet, husbands. Wives, it's true for you too. It's not just your husbands. Your husbands' wives are the appointed agents authorized to receive what you owe Jesus Christ. You are washing Jesus' feet as you are washing his feet. Parents, lots of parents in the room, me included. Our children, 
This gets a little topsy-turvy. Our children are the appointed agents authorized to receive what we owe Jesus Christ. We are washing Jesus' feet as we are washing theirs. And we go like, wait, wait, wait a minute. Aren't we supposed to be here and kids are supposed to be down there? We live in subjection to one another, see. We are washing Jesus' feet as we are washing theirs. Children, and every single one of us in this room is a child. Our parents are the appointed agents authorized to receive what we owe Jesus Christ. We are washing Jesus' feet as we are washing their feet, see. Employers, employers, get this. Our employees are the appointed agents authorized to receive what we owe Jesus Christ. We are washing Jesus' feet as we wash theirs. And employees, your employer, is the appointed agent authorized to receive what you owe Jesus Christ. No matter how silly or dumb or crazy you think that your employer is, They're the appointed agent authorized to receive what we owe him. And in our world's way of thinking, according to the world's economy, we go like, okay, we look at all that and we say, won't that upend the way things are, quote, supposed to be? Doesn't that get things all out of kilter, all out of order? And Jesus answers the question with a resounding precisely. Because that is what the king of kings intends. And it's then and only then that we begin to feel the order of his kingdom because his gospel and his kingdom and his economy turns everything onto its head. Jesus changes our whole economy of power and authority and royalty and status by appointing our neighbor as the agents authorized to receive what we Oh, him. And the disciples, as they're arguing amongst themselves about who would be the greatest in Jesus' kingdom, in the Luke account of the Last Supper, Jesus says these words. It's not on your notes page. It's not on the screen. This is from Luke 22. You could look at it sometime. Here's what Jesus says. In this world, the kings and great men lorded over their people, yet they are called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Among you who follow me, Jesus says, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank. The lowest rank. And the leader should be like a servant. Jesus is saying quite emphatically that whoever wants to be number one among you must be the slave, must be the servant of all, of everyone. Spiritual champions among you, Jesus is saying, will be the first, the very first in line to serve, which is the line that it's okay to be first in, by the way. And so we follow this king named Jesus Christ who takes up an ordinary serving towel as the symbol of his kingship and his authority and he inaugurates a kingdom of foot washers a couple of thousand years ago. And he invites us into his kingdom of foot washers. And while this world that we're living in and this world that we're scratching around in and this world that we're 
often all caught up in is full of people who are trying to climb up and over and across and above everyone else. What distinguishes we who follow Jesus Christ, what distinguishes we who are a part of this kingdom of God, what distinguishes we who are on the journey toward becoming spiritual champions is us being a group of people who are literally tripping over each other on the way to serving everyone and someone else. Tripping over each other, trying to get there, trying to serve, trying to see a need and meet a need. All while bearing the very simple symbol of the king who we follow, Jesus Christ. The king who carries nothing more than a towel. Why don't you take your stuff and set it aside? And I just invite and encourage you to go to prayer. I'm sure there's stuff rattling around in your heart and mind, and I just invite you to speak to the Lord about all of that. Just dump it out with him now, if you will. you for the next few moments just to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, please. Just continue to use this time, you and the Lord, to transact whatever business you need to do with Him. And I'm going to toss some things in for you to stir on and think about. Some stuff to transact with Him, perhaps. Maybe as you're here today, you realize that you've made the kingdom of God into something that it was never meant to be about. Maybe you've tried to make the kingdom of God to be about status and power and being served instead of the kingdom of foot washers that Jesus intended us to be a part of. If that's you, I just invite you to use this time to press in with the Lord and ask Him to renew your heart motivation for serving. Declare to God that you get that he's the king who carries the towel. That's his symbol of kingship and authority. Declare to him that you very humbly receive your role as a foot washer in his kingdom. And I invite and I challenge and I encourage you only if you mean business with God. Don't just do this. Only if you're real serious about this. Make it clear to him that you're going to be all about, with everything in you, you're going to be about this loving service to your neighbor because you get that he, she, them, everyone is the appointed agent authorized to receive what you owe Jesus Christ. Tell him that you get that as you wash your neighbor's feet, you're washing his. Declare to him that you're going to be about reckless service. Because it's at the very core of who Jesus is, who he's made you to be. And maybe you're here today and this whole message of Jesus giving his life for you, maybe that's a brand new truth for you. Maybe you're here today in this truth 
that the only thing that we really need is the cross of Jesus Christ and nothing more. Maybe that's brand new to you. God wants you to know today that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have your act all tidy. You don't have to have all of the answers because all you really need is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's only, and I mean only, by our receiving Jesus' death that any of us are made worthy of entering the kingdom of God. And if you've never trusted Jesus with your soul through a relationship with him, I believe that this is your day, that this is your day. And if that's you, you can move into a relationship with God right now by praying along with me right where you're sitting, a prayer that goes something like this. God, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to make a way for me to have a relationship with you. God, I know that I've sinned in ways that I shouldn't have. And today, God, I realize that you are perfect and that you are holy and that my sin has separated me from you. It wasn't anything you did. It was me, God. But I believe, God, that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin, for the sin of all of humanity. And I ask you to, by Jesus' death, please forgive me. Please forgive me. And please send Jesus to live inside of me. Because, God, I want you to be my friend, and I need you to change me. I really need you to clean my life up, God. And would you please set me on a course of foot washing, of bearing the towel just like you did. And if you prayed with me just then, there's not a bigger decision in your whole life. And it's such a big deal that around here we ask people to tell us. We want to celebrate with you. We want to recognize that. And I want you to know that nobody's going to embarrass you in any way. If you prayed with me just then, would you be so bold as to just lift your hand, make eye contact with me, and just say, yes, I stepped into the kingdom of God. You in the back right there. Way to go. God is changing you right now. He's inaugurating you into the kingdom of foot washers right now. Would there be any others? I don't want to miss anybody. It's too big a moment. Just make sure I catch your eye. God, we're stunned and overwhelmed, really, when we consider that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords came and put on human flesh and then stooped, not only to wash feet, but stooped to the level of dying on a cross. And so, God, because of that gift, we owe you our very lives. And so, God, we commit that we're going to be on a course. We're going to be on a trajectory towards serving our neighbors, toward the repayment of that debt. And love, God, is our motivation for that service. We love people because you love people, because you're the author of love. We don't just serve people out of obedience, God. We're serving people because you love them. We love them. Help us be all about that, God. And may the community of the Gallatin Valley be a different place because of the kingdom of God, because of this community of foot washers 
who aren't waiting for people to organize need meeting opportunities, but who are just seeing a need and meeting a need. Because we bear the towel, the same towel that Jesus carried, the symbol of his authority and kingship, the symbol of his power. And we love you and we worship you and we're yours, God, all yours. And we pray all of this in your son's holy, precious, beloved name. And the church said,